So, until now, in the previous chapters, we've talked about us, the human being, and the world. And how by developing the intellect, one can derive peace and happiness whilst navigating through life. Yeah? Is everyone in agreement with that? In this, the last chapter, we come to the conclusion about life itself and our ultimate goal as a human being. True? So, until now we've talked about the intellect, cross-intellect, which you use in the world. But there's two types of intellect. Cross-intellect is called Tikshna Buddhi in Sanskrit, and subtle intellect called Sukshma Buddhi. They both have a different role to play in human life. We've gone in quite a lot of detail of what the gross intellect and how it works. So the gross intellect is used within the confines of the world. Used to discover laws pertaining to the world. How to find new ways to make life more comfortable, better for humans to live. The gross intellect can only be used in the terrestrial world cannot go beyond to the transcendental. <clears throat> Hence people with powerful gross intellect cannot work out the mystery of the universe. Scientist has a really well developed gross intellect. He can work all things out, but talk about God, he has no idea. The, the world is made up of cause and effect. Seed produces tree, tree produces seed, chicken produces egg, egg produces chicken. This law is true in all aspects of the world, correct? So one uses the gross intellect to discover these sort of laws. But to go beyond the world, to discover, investigate the origins of the universe, one needs the subtle intellect. The subtle intellect helps us to navigate within the realms of the transcendental world, which we have no idea about. When you conceive, think beyond the world, think of the transcendental, is there a God? For this you need a subtle intellect. So, gross intellect, what do we use it for? Platyman? Being in the world. Anything to do with the world? Gross intellect. Raj, explain to them difference. <laughs> Gross and subtle intellect. What they've missed. Quick. Gross is worldly. Okay. And subtle 
more spiritual. Spiritual. So until now, what we've said is that we've only discussed the gross intellect. Gross intellect helps us in the world, bring happiness, how to navigate in the world. We all have two, two types of intellect, gross and subtle. We've only talked about the gross. The subtle intellect allows us to think of beyond the terrestrial. What is God? Any question pertaining to the transcendental beyond the world, we need a subtle intellect to think about it. All scientists, everyone in this world, powerful people, um, they all have a very strong gross intellect. But if you ask them anything about beyond the world, they have no idea. Subtle intellect, very small. We can't discover where we came from, who we are, what our goal is. So all humans have both the gross and subtle intellect in varying proportions. Varying proportions I mean everyone has different type amounts. Some may have a strong gross intellect and a very weak subtle intellect. Vice versa. No animal has a subtle intellect. So the functions of the two cannot be exchanged since they're both very different. They play a different role. It's like a spanner. You have a spanner that you use to change a tire. You have a spanner you use to repair a watch. They're both spanners, but they're different functions. Similarly, gross subtle intellect. What does the intellect do? What did we say the intellect does? Okay, question things. What does the intellect do? Forget gross and subtle. <coughs> Helps you decide. Helps you decide. <coughs> Guides you. Guides you. Thinks. Reasons, yeah? judges. Reasons, judges, thinks. So that's what intellect does, period. Now the gross, as we said, allows you to think only in the world. So to think of God, you need a subtle intellect. It does the same thing, think. But it's thinking of something beyond the world. So that's the major difference. Both of them think. The intellect thinks. It's what are you thinking of? Money, 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 power, power. What's intellect? What's my purpose in life? Subtle intellect. Yeah? They're both still thinking. Even an atheist uses his gross intellect and thinks, is there a God? He comes to the conclusion there isn't a God. He's using the gross intellect. But God is not an intellectual concept. You can't find God in a test tube or space, meaning they are still using their gross intellect. The stronger the subtle intellect, the more you're convinced there is a God. The weaker the subtle intellect, the more you will reject God. Gross intellect we use in the world, the stronger the gross intellect, the more you can achieve in the world, correct? Or whatever you want to achieve. You can think, reason, you're not going by the mind's emotions, you're able to achieve what you want. Strong gross intellect. 
Strong, subtle intellect, the more you're convinced there's a God. Is there a God? Who is looking after this world? Who created this world? These are all questions you will ask. As someone, someone with a strong, subtle intellect will ask these questions. Those with a powerful, subtle intellect are not interested in the terrestrial world. Why is that? Why wouldn't they be interested in the world? Someone with a strong, subtle intellect, powerful intellect, why would they not be interested in the world? You're right, he's gone beyond. But they understand the futility of worldly experience compared to the spiritual experience. They've experienced that side and think, hey, there's no contest. This is, brings me a lot more happiness than name, fame, power. They've realized that. That's why they're not interested in the world. A person who hasn't experienced that will still be going into the world. a lot, don't worry. Right, even quick, cross and subtle <laughs> intellect. What have we discussed? Cross intellect is intellect that you use in worldly, in worldly things that you do and you think about. And the subtle intellect is something that you think about when you think about God and beyond. Yeah. So we said we have two types of intellects. That's what we started with. The gross, which we all covered in the book, anything to do with the world, subtle intellect allows you to think beyond the world. Who is God? Is there a God? So there, we both have two types of intellects. That's what we've covered so far. So one can have a powerful gross intellect, but a very weak subtle intellect. Can't think beyond the world. And we've just said, that a person with a strong, subtle intellect is not interested in the world. And we asked why. Because they know the futility of worldly experiences over spiritual experiences. That's all we've covered so far. Another fact, everyone has the same amount of subtle intellect. Unlike the gross intellect, we don't need to develop the subtle intellect. Why is that? You don't have to develop a subtle intellect. We all have the same amount of subtle intellect. Any idea why? <laughs> we all have an atom. No. 
cross internet is all Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Like cross internet, internet is like more easily developed than okay. satellite internet. Yeah, you can't develop a satellite internet because it, it just tells you who you are. Is it a truth of life? Truth of life, you know, you are this person. Yourself. Yeah. You don't need to develop something to tell you that because you already know. Well, you don't know. That's why we're here. You will know. <laughs> so how come some people have a little amount of or a very not negligible subtle intellect and somebody has very strong subtle intellect? Why would that be? If we all have the same amount and you can't develop it. Why does, why do we think? Well, now we have to differentiate which intellect you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking about two different types. So, so what was your question again as to why is the subtle intellect in some people higher? Than How come some are more spiritual than others if everyone, everyone has the same subtle intellect? Well, because we're born with the vastness from your previous life. So if you. Yeah. <laughs> So if you've obviously advanced in your previous life, that's why you don't okay. be born in a more subtle Okay, one particular word I'm looking for. Why is it... You're right. But um, one, one particular word. Why do we think that someone is more spiritual than the other, someone else? Desire. Perfect. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> The subtle intellect is enveloped and covered with desires. Anita. So the more desires, the weaker the subtle intellect. The less desires, the stronger the subtle intellect. Does that, does that make sense? So it's covered. As you reduce your desires, the more it manifests, the more the subtle intellect emerges, the more you can think of God. That's why we think in the Gita, they give the three yogas. Why? What does it do? Three yogas, bhakti, karma, jnana. Service, devotion, knowledge. What does it help do? Reduce your desires. Reduce your desires. Do these three yogas, it will reduce your desires. Once you reduce your desires, the subtle intellect manifests, you can think about God. That's, what it, that's why it's there. It's given that prescription. So as you reduce your desires, what happens? The subtle intellect is slowly uncovered. It, you become more spiritual. You're able to think more about God. See, if you, I'll give you some examples. If you notice, the more the spiritual the person, the less he wants from the world. A true spiritual person, by the way, I'm talking about, yeah? A true spiritual person, because there's a lot of people who think they're spiritual, but may not be. A true spiritual person less want, wants less from the world. Gandhiji, what did he have? Jesus, what did he have? The Buddha, what did he have? In fact, he had everything. He was a prince. And he left everything for a spiritual life. 
you must have seen something of value more than being a prince. And we all want to be prince and princesses. We're going the other way. <laughs> Not literally, but we're going that way, I'm saying. Someone who with that is going this way. You may say Krishna had everything, but mentally he was detached from everything. So he had everything, but he wasn't interested. Strong, subtle intellect. So what does this tell you about our pursuits of the world? What does it tell you? you know, pursuits of our world. What, what does it tell you? Example of Buddha, Krishna. We're all going the wrong direction. <laughs> we need to stop, think and go the opposite way. Only a subtle intellect can help you get to the fourth state of consciousness, the unknown state of enlightenment, the goal of all humans. The gross intellect can only take you between the three states of consciousness that we go through in the world, which is, what are the three states of consciousness that we go through? Right now. Awake. Wake. Dream. Dream. Sleep. I need to know this one perfectly. <laughs> I love sleep. <laughs> That's okay, but at least you know the other two as well. <laughs> it can only take you, the gross intellect can only take you through the waking world now. Tonight when you go to sleep, you go to the dream state and the deep sleep state. Those are the only three states the gross intellect can take you. Only the subtle intellect can take you to the fourth state, which is the state of enlightenment. Any questions on that topic? Does everyone understand the difference between gross intellect and subtle intellect and their use, the purpose? Shemila? Shemila? You all understand the differences, yeah? Great. Can I ask? Yep, please. So it's not something that can happen overnight, obviously. When we're thinking of desires, would it make a difference if you've got, I don't know, good desires? Because there's desires for that are selfish, and there's unselfish desires. So, for example, um, helping others, trying to change to be a better human being. Those are relatively good desires that you've got. Would they help or it wouldn't make a difference because they're just desires full stop? Still gross intellect, still functioning in the world. They may allow you to become spiritual if that desire comes up for spirituality. But until that desire for spirituality comes up, this is still functioning in the world. Those desires may be good to help people, but that doesn't make you spiritual. But for example, coming to the class, we know that the mindset has got to change from thinking of yourself to thinking of others as a first step towards 
being better, surely that is in the right path to thinking. It's karma yoga. You're talking about karma yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're doing, if you're practicing karma yoga with the goal of reducing your desires, then of course that is a valid thing. But if you're doing it naturally because that is your nature, that don't doesn't necessarily make you go towards reducing your desires. Your goal may be to help more and more people to increase that service. But what is the actual goal? Why are you doing it? But I thought that karma yoga helps you to kind of become more unselfish. Absolutely. Which is a, a good quality to have. It is a good quality. It's a positive quality. But what we're saying is you naturally may be unselfish. Some people are more selfish than others. See, actually, we're all selfish. It's just different degrees. But that may be your nature to be unselfish and to help others. But what we're saying is, why are you performing? Is it coming to you naturally? Yes. Or are you performing that, knowing that you want to reduce your desires? That's the difference. What's the goal? See, in the Gita, the three yogas are given so you can reduce your desires. But you have to understand, I'm doing this because I want to reduce my desires, because I want to reach my goal. Someone may be naturally unselfish. So I'm not saying it's a negative thing. See, today after learning this, you might say, okay, you know what, I need to perform the three yogas. I need to reduce my desires. I want to reach the goal of my, my life. You know, I don't want to waste my life. So now you're actually performing taking steps towards your goal, actively. So you're actively doing that. But someone may be naturally unselfish, but they don't actually know, they're not performing that action to get to that goal. That's the difference. Is that okay? Yeah? Okay. So we've just discussed that, that Anita said that um, we go through three states of consciousness. Waking world, dream world, deep sleep. So we really need to think about this next topic, yeah? You may not get it right now, but you need to think on it. What state are we, of consciousness are we in right now? Waking world. Ravindra Patel. Right now, you're the waker. As far as I can wake, I guess. Yeah? <laughs> Everyone else is awake, yeah? <laughs> yeah, correct? Anita? Anita Ben, you're in the waking world right now. So no, you're in the waking world right now. Correct? Okay. As humans, we all go through three states of consciousness. Waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. The gross intellect is unaware of any other states. This is your life. This is everyone's life. Correct, Emma? Right now, you all believe firmly what you are right now. You are Bella, Bella Ben Patel. You are the waker, experiencing this waking world. Tina asks you, who are you? In this waking world, who are you? What's your profession? What, what do you do for a living? I'm an accountant. You're an accountant. 
Right now I ask you who you are, you say I'm an accountant. And if you say I'm a housewife. But when you say you're a housewife. India, you say you're an accountant. I'm a nurse, I'm a housewife, I'm a student. This is who you are in this waking world, correct? This is the role you play. So I'm, I'm taking this really slowly because it's quite subtle. I'm a businessman. I'm an athlete. I do a 100 meter run. Everyone with me? So you all believe right now that you are this person. I say you're not. You say, of course I am. Here's my qualifications. Here's my business card. Accountant, CA. Oh, I'm a nurse. I work in this hospital. Anita, tonight you'll go to sleep and become the dreamer. You'll be dreaming. Just not going. You'll be some, someone else. What will you be in the dream tonight? Lilla? What will you be in the dream tonight? dream tonight you can be, I don't know, a successful businessman. You make millions in the dream. You can be a businessman that lost all his business. You're, on the, you're a poor person living on the street. You can become a famous actor, famous actress. You can win the lottery. True. Where? Where? You can win the lottery. Where? In the dream. can be involved in a car crash. You're now in a wheelchair, an invalid. You can dream anything. Correct? Everyone's with me, yeah? After the dream, you go into a state called deep sleep, where you are nothing. I'm the deep sleeper. Dreamless sleep, state of nothingness. You know when you wake up and you say you had a good sleep, deep sleep state. Who's that outside? All three states of consciousness are different and have different characteristics. Do you all agree? All three states are different? So the nurse in the waking world cannot be the actress in the dream state. And both cannot be nothing in the deep sleep state. The accountant in this waking state may be somebody else in the dream state. They're both different people. Who is the nurse? Who is the accountant? If it's not the, act, the actress or actor in the deep in the sleep uh, dream state, is we saying is different from the person in the waking world. Who is this person? Different states of consciousness. We said. 
say I am a nurse. Who is the nurse? I'm an accountant. The waker. The waker is the accountant. The waker is the nurse. Are you all with me? It takes a little bit of Who's the person in the dream then? You say I'm an accountant here and you say I'm an actor in the dream. Who is the person in the dream? The dreamer. The dreamer. And in deep sleep, deep sleep you're nothing. So in, in the waking world you now say I am an accountant. I'm the waker. In the dream you say I'm an actor. I'm the dreamer. I'm the deep sleeper. All different people, all different states of consciousness. So who is this I? The I is the constant in everything. I am the waker. I am the accountant. I am the dreamer. I am the account, uh, um, actor. I am nothing. Who is this I? This is the question. All three, all three states, different personalities. How can they all be the same thing, I? So would you agree that I is different from all three states? So, would you agree? But would I not be the constant in all three states? This is it, it's the constant. Yeah. But it's different, isn't it? You say I am the waker, I'm an accountant. In the dream world tonight you say I'm the dreamer. I'm an actor. Both, both are different things. Yeah. Different states of consciousness. The constant is the I, you're right. So we're saying, who is this I? The spirit. The Atma. Okay. All different personalities, how can they all be the I? Another example, water, it's like water saying I'm Coca-Cola, I'm Fanta, I'm Pepsi. Water is flavoured differently by all three, but you have never experienced pure water. You, you with me? Anita? You've never, you've never tried water? You only know water is Coca-Cola, Fanta or Pepsi. The constant is water, correct? Similarly, you say, I am the waker, I am the dreamer, I am the deep sleeper. You've never experienced the I. You've only going through the three states of consciousness throughout your life. You don't know anything else. Water is not Coke, Fanta or Pepsi, is it? So what we're saying is, I is not the waker, the dreamer, or the deep sleeper. You need thinking, this concept. You're not going to get it like that. But just stay with me. The child says, I'm a child. The boy says, I'm a boy. The adult says, I'm an adult. The old person says I'm an old man. They are all different. 
But what they all say is I, I am. All different people, right? The boy is not an old man. The adult is not the boy or the old man. They're all different people, different states. But the constant is the I. Why, right now, when you're acting in the world right now, you're using your organs of action while you're acting. When you're using your organs of action, you say, I'm acting. When you're using your organs of perception, you say, I see, I hear, I smell. When you feel emotions, you say, I am happy, I'm sad. When thinking with the intellect, you say, I think. These are all different experiences, but we all use the same I. I is the constant. We do it all the time, but we don't realize that we're doing it. Correct? So I is a constant throughout our life. No matter how we change, we go through the three states of consciousness, we grow up as from a boy, child, to an adult, to an old man, we still use the word I, even though all those states are different. So who is this I? You've all said it. I is the Supreme Self. You're using it every day, but you're not aware of it. When you say, I am Anita, you're saying this physical personality is Anita. It's like water saying, I'm Fanta. So when you're saying, I am, it's the God principle within you has taken this personality. That is who you really are. I, the Supreme Self, your original personality. The waker, dreamer, deep sleeper are the conditioned states of consciousness. Just like water is conditioned by Fanta, Pepsi and Coca-Cola. Water is conditioned by those three. So that's a condition. So we're now conditioned by the waking, dream and deep sleep states. The problem is you never experience the I. It's always conditioned by these three states. So you never experience it. I is the self. The divine attributes of the transcendental reality which we call God. So in order to get to that I, we need a strong subtle intellect. So if you can't get it, it's fine. But the, what the, I'm just trying to prove to you that who you really are, because you use the term every day. I am a businessman. I'm an accountant. I'm a child. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a woman. You're using that term every day, that I. You really have to think about this one. That's why I said, come with a strong cup of coffee so that you're all awake. Only a strong, subtle intellect can understand the I, the self within. The scriptures have declared in no uncertain terms that the self is the supreme reality. Old Testament, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and the voice of God declares, I am that I am. New Testament, Jesus Christ affirms, the kingdom of God is within you. Prophet Muhammad asserts, 
The greatest jihad is that for the conquest of self. Bhagavad Gita Krishna pronounces, I am the self in all beings. See, all use the word I. The rishis, enlightened sages, declared self is God. Questions? Let's open it up. Let's try and understand these concepts. It's a bit, I know it's a bit of a shock. It's hard to absorb. You have to really stretch your intellect to think about this one. So when I when I'm asking when I say I am settled, uh, I'm A, B, or C. The fact that I'm not recognizing that. The I means the self, and I'm thinking of me, this physical body. Is that the ego or what? Let's not introduce the ego right now. No, because I'm thinking that when I say I'm a nurse, I'm simple, I live here, this I that is constant, if you can't relate to that, then I'm just relating to I, me, not the self. So what's the barrier? Because when you say, I'm an accountant, I'm a boy, I'm a student, it's still that I, but the reality is, is that when, when I say I, I'm just relating to... The body, mind and intellect. This body, mind and intellect. And I'm In not the waking world. Regardless of whichever state, but I'm thinking I, not mm. the bigger I. No. The smaller I. Yeah. So what is it that's stopping me all the time? Because if somebody says, oh, hello, who are you? I'll say, absolutely. As you said, your identification with your body, mind, intellect, your ego, as you mentioned, and your desires. That's what's stopping you from understanding who the I is. The minute you start saying, I am not this body, mind, intellect, I am the self, you're now identifying with the self. But until you come to that state, you'll continually <coughs> believe that you're the body, mind, and intellect. You are Sittal, the nurse. And when you go to sleep tonight, you will not be Sittal, the nurse. So you can be an athlete here, and you can be in a wheelchair of a dream. You go in the dream and tell the person in the wheelchair, what are you doing in a wheelchair? You're an athlete. So what are we talking about? being in this wheelchair for six, six years. You can't convince that person in the dream that he's an athlete. You don't know what you're talking about. Different personality altogether. a bombshell isn't it? don't know who you are now. <laughs> Confusing. We give so much emphasis to this. This is the problem issue. We give so much emphasis to this person here now in this waking world. So much emphasis. So much importance. 
they're saying this isn't who you are. Why are we wasting our time, they're saying. Is that because anything that happens to this little eye in this waking state affects us? In a sense, so... You lose your job. You don't have an income coming in. You're behind in your mortgage. You're struggling to find work. You're stressed out about that. You're filling in applications. You're going through interview process. All of that is happening to this little eye. To then say, not to let it affect you, and think of this bigger eye that can't really pay my mortgage, feed me. How is that? So you're in the waking world. You have to survive in this world because you don't know any other worlds. So we're not saying ignore this state. We're not saying that. What we're saying is we're trying to understand who we really are. We're saying that we're not the waker. We're the I, the self. It's proving this point. We're trying to prove this point by you thinking about it. Outside this classroom, you're never going to think about this. So we're not saying go home and leave your partner and go and sit in a cave and contemplate on this eye. We're not saying that. We're saying while you're acting in the world, you have to act. You're, you're here and now as a waker. You can't ignore that fact. Yeah? You have to behave in, in this environment as you're supposed to behave. So how do you detach all of this? Oh, yeah. By having the understanding that this isn't my true personality. I am Bhakti Ben living in Kenton, I have a family and I, this is my role in life, in the waking world. But this isn't who I really am. I will do play my role the best I can, but this isn't my goal. So then by playing this role, it's a lifelong thing. You're yeah. going to keep playing this role, keep playing. Yeah. you're going to keep doing it. So when, when, when do you say stop? When you reach the self, when you reach transcendental state. There's always going to be a role that you need to play. Not until we said that it's the desires that keep us playing these roles. The minute we come to a state of no desires, we stop playing this role. But then it comes to the altar where you say, you go to a cave. You see, you can't do that because this is who you are right now. You're not in a position to give up who you are. You may decide to do that when you reach a certain state. Maybe next lifetime or whatever. You may reach that state where you think, you know what? This is always the time. I'm going to the Himalayas and sit in a cave and meditate. You may reach that goal. Many people have. So effectively, you're limiting yourself by thinking this life material. If you're constantly thinking of the I, then the journey's long. Yeah. As in, you're not having to just think you finish it here. You fulfill your obligations here and as you said you act as you are the goal is self-realization but that could be any yeah but then I suppose it makes it easier if you start reducing your desires yeah so if you do play your role reduce your desires then maybe see it's an awareness until you came to the classroom you weren't aware that who you are you believe yourself to be Bhakti Ben Hemu Ben Shamila Ben playing this role of a housewife bringing up children, this is your role. Going on holidays, 
whatever you're doing, this is your life. You, you haven't been able to analyze this. And this is what we're doing now. We're analyzing this. Now, we don't expect everyone to change overnight, but having this awareness and understanding, the importance you're playing, paying to the role you are right now, role you have at the moment. See, even if you're more aware of this, now you will give it less importance. You'll be less affected by it. My goal is to reduce my desires. If you, if, you be, if you even just say that, then how you're acting in the world, you're less affected. You're not running after things. You become more satisfied with what you have. Just that one thought. So no, just that one thought. Your life can change. True. Buddha was a prince, had everything, kingdom, gave up. But because we haven't got everything, we don't feel we're in a state to give up. And I don't expect anyone to give up, by the way. Yeah. But the minute you start taking up higher values, which is what we're doing, your life will change. This is the point we're making. Your life will change because your attitude will change. So the scriptures conclude that the self is God, the I is God, the supreme reality. The I we use in everyday life is the God principle. The self is the state of absolute happiness, one's original being, original state. Humans have forgotten about the self and identify only with their material layers, their body, mind and intellect. We're now full of desires and try to find happiness using the body, mind and intellect. One will always be seeking until one finds the self. This is what they're saying. Unknown to him that this is the ultimate goal of a human being. True peace and happiness is within oneself, but due to our ignorance, we look for it in the world. But no one has found it in the world yet. So we're all looking for peace and happiness in the world. But they're saying no one has found it. But we believe that we will. Arthur Schopenhauer, German philosopher, wisely advises all human beings. It is difficult to find happiness within oneself. But it is impossible to find it anywhere else. It is difficult to find happiness within oneself. So it's not easy, but it's impossible to find it anywhere else. But we're looking everywhere but within. Isn't it? All of us are looking everywhere but within. Why? Due to our ignorance. This is the point. So we don't know any better. The world wasn't like this thousands of years ago. You know, the sattvic time, people had values for scriptures, service, sacrifice, 
we're now in Kaliuk, which is a different state altogether. So it's becoming more difficult for us to understand this. Because we're more and more extroverted, less introverted. It's very tough. It's, so you have to put extra effort in. But just knowing the fact that you are not this person, but you're something higher, something more, must give you some sort of relief and understanding and two experiments that demonstrate that the self is the original being. So they give example in the book, you can read it. First one is the coil spring. Coil spring is this high, four foot high, yeah? When you push it down, what happens? When you push the spring down, what happens? It's pushing back. Pressure, yeah? One foot, maximum pressure. As it released, two feet, less pressure. Three feet, less pressure. When released, when it gets to four feet, original state, through, no pressure. It's reached its original state, correct? Does everyone understand the example? Take a cane, you bend it with both hands, gives pressure on the palms, correct? Bend it more, more pressure. Straighten it, anything, no pressure. Why? Release the original state. So in humans, we have a constant pressure. What is this pressure? Desires constantly pressurize us to achieve more peace, more happiness. This pressure, they say, will only be released once you reach your original state. Just like the spring, the cane. So we're all trying to reach this original state, but because we're ignorant, we have lack of knowledge, we don't understand it. This original state is of no pressure, infinite peace and happiness. But because we don't understand this, what do we do? Pressure, how do we relieve this pressure in the world? We're all trying to find peace and happiness. We're all pressurized to find peace and happiness. And as you said, with desires. We try to find peace and happiness through wealth, through power, status. Someone tries to find happiness through marriage. Someone tries to find happiness through divorce. It's all to reach a particular state. Person picks up a cigarette, finds happiness. Never runs from the smoke to find happiness. All different actions, but the bottom line is, everyone's looking for peace and happiness. But if you notice, no one in the world through worldly pursuit is peaceful or happy. No matter how much they have. The only person who said, I don't want anything, is a self-realized person. He does not pursue anything in the world. So, how do we relieve, relieve this pressure? No 
No desires. Realize the self. Find out your true personality. No pressure. Find out what this I is. Until then, you will always have pressure. No matter who you become, how much wealth, power, pressure will always be there. Does this deep sleep state count as uh, the same thing? Or no? Deep sleep, nothing. It's a state of nothingness. No mind, no intellect. No desires. No desires. Zero. Everything is zero. That's why you're peaceful. Calm, no desires, no agitations. Wake up, nice sleep. Why? No pressure. <laughs> in deep sleep state. Even in, even in the dream state, you're in the pressure. Sorry, can you repeat that? Deep sleep is none of them. None of them. But then what we want is everything but the desire. Yeah. yeah. See, deep sleep, the desires don't manifest. Yeah. Because there's nowhere to exhaust those desires. In, in deep sleep you have your, the intellect is there, but only partial. That's why when you wake up, you're still the same person who you, who you are. It's a different state. Yeah. You're being a different person. You're actively, person. you're actively, there's no difference between the waking world and the dream world. Besides the fact in the waking world, you have the intellect available to you. In the dream world, you don't have the intellect available to you. You've seen that film Inception, no? they go in the dream world. It's so real in there. Even though they're sitting there lying there with their eyes closed. That's how real it is. You wake up all sweaty, oh, I don't know what happened, I had a bad dream. Mm -hmm. This guy was chasing after me, you know, I had to run, and it's so real. How do you know it's the real, which one's the real state? Right now you could be dreaming, you could be asleep. How do you know which one's real? So there's something you have to think about. But understand one thing, none of those states are real. <laughs> <laughs> You're experiencing it, but none of them are real. But that's where you get people who have ultimate faith, and then as you said, work towards and they're at peace because you know, end of life or death is not a threat no. because they still see the journey as going forward. Exactly. As long as you work towards that view, mm -hmm. as you said, as you relinquish your desires, you act, you fulfill your obligations. And what can you take with you on the next journey? Whatever desires you've got left over. So why, why not reduce them so you have very yeah, less? That's what I mean. so 
Only this knowledge you can take with you. Knowledge of the self, nothing else. No partner, no money, no power, no status. Can't take nothing with you. Everything that we're working hard to get, we can't take it with us. This is just for us to think. You know, we don't expect, you know, people to suddenly, oh, what have I done? Uh, just to think, you know, to look at your life and, you know, everything you're look, running after, you're chasing, agitations, everything, you know, just to make you think, well, hang on, maybe it's not that bad. But if you are, as you said, chasing or progressing yourself, but if it's not agitating you, it's a positive, isn't it? Because you, you're still performing in this yeah, state. Yeah. But it's only if it agitates you, and as you said, you keep setting, you, you get the wealth and you're still running. Then it's wrong. The pressure's there. Yeah. We leave the pressure by understanding that I am not this person. I have a role to play, because I am born with these vasanas. I have a role to play, but my, go my ultimate goal is to reduce my desires, my vasanas, so that in my next life, I have less. And ultimately, I'll reach my goal. But right now, I have a role to play due to cause and effect. My past actions have brought me to this stage. I have to now perform this. I have no choice. Knowing that my goal is this. Could you actually go back two steps from what your past life was in this life? Or can you just move forward? You can't move forward. Yeah? The actions, you've already, you've already put those actions in. So you have to deal with the effect of it. So you can't, you wouldn't go back. You would actually just move forward. You can only go forward. Okay. What's karma? Hmm. No one is say your future is written. Meaning that you've already put the action in. You can't change it. <laughs> but... That's good. <laughs> but... You can put the right action in today, so in the future, you can change. Is it only in the waking state that you can think of the higher then? Yes. Only in the waking state you can think of the higher, because... Yeah. So the subtle intellect is, uh, is only available in the waking state? Yes. So then, when you can you reduce desires in the sleep in the dream state? No, because that's just another state where the only mind is available in your in the dream state. The intellect's not there. Only your mind is available. And what is the dream? Dreams are undigested thoughts from the waking world. You see, a, you see a horror movie, you might have a nightmare. Undigested thoughts. This is what the dreams are. You have this strong desire to win the lottery. In the dream state you do. Undigested thoughts. So, makes sense. That's all it is, the mind playing games. How can you not have those <clears throat> bad dreams then? Changed your experiences in the waking world. Don't watch horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be a horror movie. 
But see, see, as you think, so you become. Mm. See, you think good thoughts, you ring, you, you sing bhajans and you read scriptures. Your dreams, how can they be nightmares? <laughs> you know? So hopefully the conclusion we come to in this class, under this book, we will never be happy until we find our true nature. The coil spring will always have pressure until it comes to its true nature. So therefore we will always have pressure, and we accept that. We have to accept that, yeah? That the pressure will always be there until we reach that ultimate state of oneness with Yatman, Brahman. And we will never be happy until we reach that state. We are not this body-mind intellect, we are the Self, the God Principle. See, what are all religions, all scriptures, all good religions with knowledge teaching us? Seek within. How to get back to our true personality. Any religion worth its weight will teach you how to do that. And that's how to tell, differentiate between a, 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 good, a religion that is good for you and that isn't for you. Is it teaching me how to become a better human being and reach my goal to reach the self? Otherwise, why would you follow it? You really have to read and think about this and contemplate, preferably in the morning, on this. To really understand. And to, to absorb the impact of it. So that it affects, that you can, um, you know, when you're living your life, when you're acting in the day, it is with you. To un that understanding, you really have to think about it. It's quite um, hard to um, absorb in one class. You have to put effort in. It's almost like battling with yourself, isn't it? Is that you're, you know, you think you know who you are, but you're not who you are. So now you're trying to find yourself, and you're trying to distinguish between who you thought you were and who you should be. Undoing and redoing. You see, you, it raises a lot of questions in your, in, in your head, and it should. It should raise a lot of questions. <laughs> it puts your life upside down. You know, you're successful, you have a lovely home, a family, money in the bank, and suddenly now you're told that's all useless. Not useless, but meaningless in the long term of things. That's, of course that's going to shake someone up thinking, what the hell's going on? Nothing wrong with doing it, by the way. No, 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 I'm just saying it's 
harder or easier, but which is saying it's easier if you're younger because we they're not set here. Yes, absolutely. For us, it's more difficult. We have to undo everything that we have done wrongly to get back to that state. While someone starting in life, they can start in this way, thinking in this way. We haven't um, decided to do so many things for the same Our foundation set. Theirs is just building. We have to break so they down. Can build a different foundation. <laughs> we have to break down all our thoughts and wrongdoings before we can. But it's not difficult. It just needs a little bit of effort. <laughs> it's a revelation though, but this is actually what, what spirituality is. But we're, we're not able to understand it because they don't want to tell us, explain it to us. This is all, all religion is supposed to teach you. This is in the, our scriptures, 10,000 years old, in the Vedas. All the Vedas, Upanishads say is, you are God, that's all. Bhagavad Gita, 702 verses, Krishna talks to Arjuna to fight, and the message is, you are God, so what are you worried about? That's the crux of the Bhagavad Gita. That's one Upanishad, 702 verses, and a story with a battlefield to explain that you are God. <laughs> because people can't understand that message. This is our heritage, our scriptures, you know. There's no religion to it. It's just facts and laws of life. All the scriptures teaching us how to get back to our true personality. So, what do we do? How do we get to this state now? I'll read it from the, from the author's words. The, your role in the revival. Study this liter literature in detail. Any literature that gives you this knowledge. Doesn't have to be this. Any literature. You, deal, you would then realize the predicament of beings in this planet. Brought about the total neglect and the consequent fall of the human intellect. It is now the obligation, duty and responsibility of the few who have understood the situation to resurrect the fallen intellect. As a consequence of this blunder, the human race has become an endangered species. We're talking about it as we speak, isn't it? Global warming and all sorts. Every human must realize this grave situation and rehabilitate the intellect. Start the process with thinking, inquiring at every facet of life. You ought not to take anything for granted. Think, examine whatever you meet in life. Accept only those that stand to reason. This discipline should have been initiated to everyone at the age of six or seven. Had it been implemented from the very beginning, the impending disaster could have been averted. That's why thousands of years ago, there was no such thing as disasters and you know, wars and so on as such. But humanity has failed to do so. To compensate for it now, the effort in rehabilitation has to be increased a hundredfold. The procedure for Rehabilitation of the intellect needs to be undertaken by the individual, by the society and educational institutes throughout the world. So, read higher value scriptures, 
books that make you think. So because you exercise your intellect. It's saying read the fall of the human intellect, which we've done, Holocaust of Attachment and Vedanta Treaties, which is the next book we're going to do, the Vedanta Treaties. That's a lot more in depth. This, this is nothing compared to the next book. And it does like, well, <laughs> <laughs> you're really going to exercise intellect. But we go through all the basics again to build up. So read, study this knowledge. Make use of the existing intellect. We've already covered this. The problem among humans is that they do not make use of their existing intellect fully, what you already have. That explains why people regret their own actions. This can be solved by the practice of introspection. Introspection is a process of self-observation to be practiced every night before you retire. It involves the recollection of your experiences during the day. Try and remember every experience you have gone through in a sequence from the time of rising to the moment of introspecting. In your initial attempts, you may not remember the details of what you have done. But with repeated practice, you will re recollect each and every activity. This exercise should not take you more than five to six minutes. While practicing introspection, do not analyze or criticize your actions. You are only to be aware of them. Do not get involved in the merit or demerit of the action. So don't analyze it. That would break the trend of introspection. Moreover, it may develop cynicism and frustration. When you remember an action over and over again, you become aware of it, and constant recollection of daily actions would render your existing intellect alert. Does that make sense? Go through that introspection every night. When you do something, but you know, I shouldn't have done that. In the daytime, when you do it again, unconsciously, your intellect will say, prick you and say, hey, hang on. But doesn't that mean that you analyzed it? No, you're just going through the process of everything that you've done. But the fact will come to you, you're not going to say that was wrong, or this, you don't analyze it, just go through it. Because the intellect's doing that. It's going through it. And it'll know in the daytime when you're going through your actions and something is... The intellect knows what's right. It's the mind that starts analyzing, oh, I shouldn't have done that, oh, why did I do that? Questions, anyone? Yeah, that's, see how the mind, you can't even, for one minute, you can't even think, uh, control it. <laughs> it takes a bit of practice. If you do it regularly, it, within a couple of weeks, you'll get the hang of it. Normally, when I started, I used to fall asleep straight away. Like within, I get to lunchtime and I used to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs>